Hey everybody, it's Kendall from Recording Lounge. It is July 20th, 2013. I am here today to talk about guitar layering and how to help you guys layer your guitars effectively. I've gotten some questions about this and I actually made a blog post about it. Yes, I do have a blog. It is recordinglounge.blogspot.com. Now that's sort of a mouthful, but I don't update it a lot, but when I do, it's usually with something interesting that I find or some post that I've made just to perhaps get people to think. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this and give you some examples. So I pulled up a song that uh, was done recently, and it's not mixed, so it's still in kind of a rough mix stage. Um, there's actually hardly any plugins on this whole thing. Got some stuff on the bass and so some stuff on the drum bus and couple effects on the vocal but really that's it there's not tons of stuff um, there's hardly anything on the guitars actually which is part of the reason I'm using this project there's really not anything done to the guitars whatsoever and um, most of this stuff was tracked as you hear it and uh, so this track has 16 guitar parts okay now obviously they're not all playing at the same time some of them are some of them aren't we're gonna talk a little bit about these parts uh, first, I will just play you this song. Uh, I'm going to mute the vocal just so you can really focus on the guitars, but um, like I said, this is in its rough mix stages. This is what the song sounds like. <laughs>
Okay, so you just heard a song called Luminous by a band called After Midnight, and um, very cool band. And so this particular song is a pretty general example of, now obviously it's not like necessarily a typical genre of rock, but it's a pretty general example of how I might layer guitars on a song and when I'm producing a band. And there are certain songs that I've done that have more guitars than this, and obviously some that have fewer. And uh, this song doesn't particularly have tons playing at one time. I think the most that it has playing at one time is maybe five. But there are still lots of layers nonetheless, and there are lots of movement uh, movements in the arrangement that make it interesting as it goes on. And that's, to me, the biggest part about guitar arranging and guitar layering is understanding the arrangement. So again, we talked about this a little bit in the show, uh, I think called like Make Exciting Mixes. We're talking a little bit about uh, making sure that the song grows and changes in more than just one way, more than just volume, more than just you know, loudness or power, or, oh, I'm, I'm hitting it harder, because that's only one form of dynamic. There are lots of different forms of dynamics, from narrow to wide, uh, low pitch to high pitch. You know, when a singer sings high, all of a sudden it sounds more open, more exciting. Even if it's not really louder, it, it's just like the tonality changes a little bit, and, and it seems like there's a lift. Um, you know, when low end comes in, when top end comes in, it sounds bigger, fuller, wider. Um, what I like to call span. I mean, it literally sounds like there's more range and span to the music, like it extends deeper and higher on both ends of the spectrum. So there are little things that we can do to make sure that this happens. And so we're just going to talk a little bit about the layers that we have uh, on these guitars. So so let's, let's start with the intro. Okay, so the intro we have two guitars. <laughs> We have this guy here that's uh, just kind of a clean guitar. No effects, nothing on it. That's just how it was recorded. Now it's recorded pretty clean and uh, I like that. You know, I'm, I'm very picky about my guitars. I don't like them to be noisy. Um, I, like my, I like my guitars to have a lot of very clear, defined sound throughout the mix. And sometimes not. Sometimes obviously there's a place for a really dirty guitar. I think there's one or two spots in here with some pretty dirty guitars. Um, but again, the biggest part about making a song with successful layers of any kind, guitars, pianos, synths, whatever, is having a plan, okay? So figuring out the direction of the song. And, you know, the direction of this song was basically, it, it's pretty high energy the whole time, but we still have to make it seem like it's growing and changing without really making it seem like it's getting a lot quieter or louder, right? I mean, because if a song is supposed to be high energy, uh, we don't necessarily want to like lose the energy by going way low. There are, there's one or two spots in this song where it gets kind of quiet, but not really a lot. So let's talk about this. So we have this intro guitar right here, and we have a double part. Now this is a very similar tone, but um, most likely, as far as I remember, it was a, a different pickup position, and it's a different part. And I actually have one additional delay on it now that I look at it. Um, one additional delay that does one more tap. So as you can hear, it does one more tap there. But um, this, uh, these two guitars play with each other like so. And they are panned somewhere around 50-50-ish on both sides. Um, uh, again, this was a rough mix, so it's not totally exactly how I intended it, but um, it's pretty close. So it's roughly 50-50 on both sides. So that does two things for me. One, it starts the song, um, it, it defines a space for the song. If the guitars aren't hard left and right immediately, then it gives it somewhere to go. If the guitars are hard left and right immediately, and it's not supposed to be super big yet, then they don't really have anywhere to go. So this song starts with the intro, um, then it drops out and comes in big. Okay, so we have those two guitars in the intro all the way through, and that's it. And the bass comes in here with the drums. 
Now, when it comes in, we've got some other guitars. We've got three guitars going on when it comes in. We've got this guitar. And we've got this guitar. Notice again, they're playing different parts. That's really important. They're very similar parts, but they're different parts. One of them is playing, the left one over here is playing um, a little bit more open chords. A little bit lighter drive. This one's playing more power chords. And most likely that was a different guitar, potentially the same guitar and a different pickup. And again, that's really important because you want to differentiate the guitars. You don't want them to sound like the same guitar playing the same part all the time. Sometimes that is what's needed and uh, sometimes it's not. So on this particular song, we wanted it to really sound like two different guitar players and at certain points like three or four guitar players. So there are certain bands where you don't want it to sound like two different guitar players. You want it to sound like just sort of um, a singular large guitar sound coming out the back. A lot of pop stuff has that, a lot of country has that, and that's great, that's totally viable. Um, in which case, you know, you would usually do that by ch not changing the guitar, not changing the pickup, not changing the amp, nothing, just tracking it twice, panning one hard left, one hard right. That's pretty common for guitar layering on what, you know, you would call guitar doubling. Don't try to use a plug-in, please, to, to, you know, double the track and then pan them and flip the phase and delay it or what. Don't do that. Just play it again. Uh, it sounds so much better. And yes, even though it's hard to play it, you know, really close, part of the little, the differences between, you know, pitch and time between the two takes are what make a doubled take sound large. Because the closer they are, the more their frequencies will literally cancel and it will sound more like it's in the center. If they're different, I mean, even as far as to say a different tone, a different guitar, a different amp, different mic, whatever, um, they will separate more and more and more. So just realize that, that that's sort of a big statement to make, but start thinking about that in the back of your brain. The more things that you run through the same chain, the more similar things will sound. It doesn't matter if it's a vocal and a guitar and a kick drum. If those are all using the same mic, things will start to sound samey. And sometimes that's good, but a lot of times it's not. That's one of the main reasons to have different gear, different mics, different preamps, you know, whatever. Because stuff, you know, if you have a, a mic, let's say you have one mic and you record everything with it, everything is sort of going to take that response on a little bit. If you want to do severe EQing on lots of tracks, then sure, go for it. But I don't think any of us really want to have to EQ stuff, you know, for hours and hours and hours. I mean, obviously, sometimes you have to, but I mean, most of us would love it if our tracks just blended together without much EQ. None of the tracks you're hearing today, none of the guitar tracks, at least, have EQ on them. They're all dry completely, no compression. The only thing that uh, has effects, uh, there's, there are two acoustic parts. Um, that have some compression and that intro guitar that has the delay. Um, now let's get back to the matter at hand. So these guitars come in, you have almost a doubled, but it's really just two guitars. Ah, ah, different one. We have this one and this one. And notice, they, because they're different parts, they sort of fill up the spectrum in a nice way. If they were the same part, um, they would seem a little more, I'm not going to say really like a pad, but they'd, they'd fill that same role. They would just seem like a really wide guitar sound rather than two individual guitars. Um, there's a third guitar part going on here that is called lead guitar that sounds like so. And this one does have effects printed on there also. We recorded with his pedals and some other rack effects. This goes through the verse. This is the main guitar in the verse. There's really nothing else going on in the verse other than bass, this guitar, there's going to be vocals there, obviously, but um, then there's a, the second half of the verse comes in with this. Clean guitar and 
some strums, or what I like to call rakes, because you're kind of raking across the strings. So this happens in the second part of the verse. Again, none of these guitars are playing the same part. And, and I don't even necessarily mean the same part rhythmically, I mean literally they're on a different part of the neck, or they're playing fewer strings. Um, sort of my general rule is, for, for how many notes to play and how many strings to play, is the more gain you have, as in the more distortion you have, the fewer notes you need to be playing. Um, and that's just because it, it starts to get really muddy real fast. If you're playing chords you know, that are like uh, more full, like your typical G chord or your typical, you know, E minor chord. You can't really handle tons and tons of gain because it starts to sound super, super fizzy and blah, 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 no matter what amp or drive, you know, whatever you have. If you're using a ton of gain, it's going to sound bad. So, sure, this is a gainy guitar, but it's not tons and tons of gain. I mean, it's not like metal distortion or anything. I mean, it's it's really just light drive. And, uh, you know, I use most of the amps I have here at the studio are really nice amps that are really dynamic with the player. So as you strum harder, they get more distorted. So notice on that end strum, the last strum he does, uh, it's a little more distorted. It kind of distorts a little bit more than on the other stuff. Um, which is good. It helps players be dynamic. So then we have this guitar again. He's strumming lightly. The same guitar, same amp, same chain. He's strumming lightly and it's almost clean. So nothing changed about that sound. Um, when we have this together with that. Those rakes are just sort of adding a little bit of um, body to that side because, you know, it's a pretty thin sounding guitar. And on the other side we have this. You know, and that, that's a pretty important part. So that helps add some body and also add almost like a sustaining element to it. So this is what that section sounds like. Now notice, there, the bass sort of takes over and it becomes more important at that section. Um, here, the bass is only somewhat important. It's playing more more one note runs, but after that break in the drums, right here, the bass becomes more important. get the clean guitar back on the left again. The bass line changes. Now what happened there, okay? What happened in that transition, okay? So we have the lead guitar that's hard right. Is that where it's going to stay? Maybe not. I don't know. But the clean electric is only 50 left. So those together sound like this. Now when the chorus comes in, both of the guitars that come in are hard panned. So notice the width that it gains. It seems to sort of explode a little bit from side to side. Now obviously that could be accentuated even more with some automation, but like I said, this is just a rough mix. So um, those guitars that come in are now basically those two intro guitars. And remember that left guitar, that left guitar is um, playing a little bit different part, a little more open strings, a little less um, 
movement, but the guitars never really cross each other in an, in an unpleasing way. So listen to both parts. So when this one goes low, or lower, this one's up high. And notice that the sort of predominant note that you hear is Right? Now on this one, what's the predominant sounding note? So those create essentially harmony. That is a well-written guitar part, okay? There are these two parts that are playing basically the same chords, a little bit different. The way that they're voiced makes them sound harmonic together. They sound like they fit together, like almost like vocal harmonies sound good together. Um, and that's definitely something that people have to consider when writing guitar parts, you know? Are, they, are the parts too similar? Are they too different? Or are they just right in the middle? Now again, after this uh, part comes in, after this chorus, then we have back to the uh, two big guitars and the lead guitar. And this guitar on the right goes back down to power chords. That is to leave room for this guitar. That was, you know, this guitar was playing a little higher. But then goes down, plays fewer notes, fewer strings, and um, still has lots of gain and lots of balls, but, you know, it's leaving room for this. They're panned in the same spot, but they separate naturally. They separate naturally because they are in different ranges, and you can hear both parts individually. So again, that's something else to keep in mind. Separation isn't all about EQ. A big, big part of separation and getting clear, you know, like you can pick out every part in a mix is about having good parts. Okay, so now let's talk about something, some things that we added to make this a little more interesting. Okay, so this verse originally was going to cut down to just bass and vocal right here. I will play you what that sounds like. It's going to cut down to this. <laughs> But we decided to add this wah guitar. Now here's another interesting thing about the wah guitar. The wah guitar is very filtered. So there's not a lot of top end and there's not a lot of bottom end. That makes it sound smaller because you know these other guitars here in the chorus are full. I mean they have got they've got the grit from the distortion, they've got lots of low end. You know, they're really full sounding, and uh, but when it comes back, it, it, it's condensing it. It's condensing it down small again. So it doesn't sound like just, you know, this other full range guitar, like, you know, wah, wah, wahing away, uh, because it's EQ'd that way. We EQ'd it live, I believe. I'm not sure. Maybe we didn't use EQ. Maybe that's just the tone from the guitar. I don't really remember. But there's no EQ in the mix, so... So it takes up less space very mid-rangey. There are some rakes that come in along with the clean guitar. So there are actually a few things that come in here. We have these rakes. Now on this side, they were on the other side before. We also have this lead guitar that comes in. For this, we used a reverb pedal, pretty bright sounding reverb that we added in. We also have this guitar, our classic clean. So here we have four guitar parts. Notice how you can really hear them all. The rakes are pretty low in the mix, but this is what it sounds like. Again, notice the separation naturally, without EQ, of, because these right now are panned 
Uh, see, the clean electric is 50 left still. The lead guitar is hard right, the wah guitar is hard left, and the rakes are hard right. The wah and the rakes kind of complement each other. The rakes aren't very bright, they're actually pretty dark. And they're low, there's not tons of like high string stuff going on, there's not tons of high frequency information. These guitars are brighter and have, and have higher notes. So together, you've got these four guitars that sound like so. Now right here, um, it drops out. The clean guitar drops out and the rakes drop out to the wah and the lead. And again, here the bass becomes a little more important. Now here's a really interesting section, because this has, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guitar parts going on at once, eight if you count the bass, which I usually do count the bass, because it is a bass guitar. Um, but, uh, so again, let's, let's step back real quick, you know, when that bass becomes more important, you know, it still sounds full. It doesn't really sound like it's missing anything, I mean, it's supposed to sound like a down section. That bass becomes more important, thus attracting your attention to it. So it's all about, you know, drawing people's attention to certain things at certain times and letting the mix grow and change. Again, now it's a less dense part. Um, the drums are kind of playing this really simple part. The bass isn't playing anything hard. They're more long notes as opposed to this. Opens up. Here, here is one of my favorite sections of the song. This contains quite a few guitar parts. You have a clean electric. Now it's playing in halftime. Again, really interesting chord voicings. Uh, you have a lead guitar. You have a high clean guitar, basically rakes, to complement this. Now that, that's an interesting example because those are basically playing the same notes. One's playing the chords and one's picking the chords and they blend together, but that's what we wanted. We don't really need to hear them as separate parts because there's already other stuff going on. There's already these rakes going on. So together the rakes make this sound. So again, the rakes aren't competing, but it's nicely blending with the lead and with the clean. Without those clean rakes, it sounds like this. Add them in. Adds a little presence. We also have the wah guitar still. Still doing that thing. Now we have a doubled acoustic part. Now this is two acoustics played um, as close as possible uh, and they are compressed. 
notice those are doubled. They are supposed to sound like um, one, almost one large guitar. And notice how the center, like when you're just listening, it doesn't really sound like two distinct parts. Versus these two rakes, hard left and right also. Sound a lot more distinct. I'll turn off my mic so you can hear those better. So the acoustic part sounds more like one very large acoustic, whereas the electrics sound like two different guitars, because they probably are. The acoustic was the same mic, the same, you know, guitar, all of that. It was supposed to sound this way. So again, that's a completely different chord shape than what's, what anyone else is playing, different notes becomes more of a melody. This is an instrumental section, so that's almost an acoustic lead. So together, all of these sound like this. This is the previous section leading it up, leading up into it. So after this chorus, and again, um, those guitars are panned, the acoustics are 50-50, um, the wah guitar is hard left, the rakes are 50 left and 50 right, and, or no wait, 50 left and hard right, and then the lead guitar is hard right, and the clean guitar is 50 left. So I'll solo all those guitars so you can hear them. You can audibly pick out every single part that I talked about. We have the clean guitar, we have the lead guitar, the hot, the clean rakes, the dirty rakes, the wah guitar, and the two acoustics. Now, if I wanted a little more impact from the chorus at this point, I could pan those all a little bit in, um, even a little bit, even from 80 left and 80 right, you know, instead of hard left, hard right, then the chorus would have a little more impact. Again, this is all planned, you know. We sat there and we said, okay, what, what could go in this section, you know. We're sitting there writing the parts out and trying to figure out what could go and make it interesting. Okay, so after this chorus, notice the guitars are hard left and right. Now it goes to a wah guitar that's in the center, um, which creates this sort of collapsing effect. So the song's big, it's big, it's big, and then it just drops real small. Then the big guitars come back again, um, and we actually add some new guitars there. So we've got our main big rhythms, wah guitar. Now we have some extra guitars that come in here. We've got our main rhythms again, as usual, just our chorus rhythms. But then we also have a fuzz guitar and our lead. It's more of just a high distorted part. So those, again, those don't compete with each other. The fuzz guitar is a little low in the mix, but um, the reason we took that guitar in the center because it becomes more important here. This is like the bridge guitar. So again, we wanted the bridge to feel like it was collapsing and expanding, collapsing, expanding, getting, sm getting smaller, 
and larger, smaller and larger. And, um, you know, essentially, if we had done it all stereo, it wouldn't have sounded like it was growing and changing. So this is what it sounds like now. This is the bridge. Notice there how it grew. So it, it shrunk down to more narrow and the bass again becomes more important. Your attention is drawn to the center of the mix. There's also these little slide things. So now that whole section sounds like so. From the wah, it goes narrow, wide, narrow, wide, narrow, This is another one of the guitars that has effects, this little weird spinning guitar. So again, in this bridge we have this part. And here, here's a great example. I actually did automate this guitar already. So it drops from hard left to 50, 50 left. So the only two guitar, only three guitars going on at this point. If, if you're not counting the bass, is this. So we have one guitar 50 left, one guitar center, and the slide guitar is center also. Now we add in the chorus guitar, hard right, and the other, the fizzy, the fuzzy guitar. So those are hard left and right, so it goes from narrow to wide. Back to narrow. Another thing to notice is that these guitars in these breaks are all playing higher parts. Um, there's not nearly as much low end. So you get a lift in two ways. You get more low end, more fullness, and the low end sort of drops out. Now notice what the bass is doing here. Playing sort of a, a semi, you know, high part, not really that high, but more mid-range of the neck, and then it drops real low. here we have this guitar. Now this guitar does have effects on it, as you can hear. Um, this is the effecty guitar that sounds like this. Okay, so... That guitar has some stuff, crazy stuff going on. But we also have this guitar. Fuzz guitar. Little feedback. Okay, so together, those two dirty guitars sound like this. I'm using Mondo Mod from Waves to create the spin. fades away. So this is what that sounds like. Got the lead. Into the chorus. 
Now here's a section where, oh man, that's just going crazy. Um, here's a section where I feel like the chorus doesn't come in strong enough. So I could either automate these guitars up, I could make the other guitars a little more narrow, I could add a higher part, I could add a lower part, uh, something that's supportive or something that's... I basically, the way I look at it is you have your main parts and then you have something that's either supportive or decorative. You have something that sort of floats on top of it and makes it sound cooler or prettier or, you know, whatever. More ambient, um, more rock, more metal, more, you know, more. Or you have something that supports it. Doesn't not necessarily bright, not necessarily um, even that clear, uh, but it supports the low end of it. Um, so that's a great example of why we were using rakes, the rake guitars, for support um, back here. Like this one. It's low, and it's also dark. Um, so it helps support, but it doesn't really stand out. It just is a supportive guitar. Decorative guitar, decorative guitar, stays on top. That's like these high things. These. Okay. So I could add something like that in that chorus if I wanted it to sound a little bigger. Oh, that's going nuts. I could do some automation, you know, I could automate quite a few things. I could automate the bass, the drums, the guitars up, I could automate a lot of things up. Or I could automate the previous section down. Um, or I might take out some of those guitars, or I might reduce the level of the crazy guitar. Uh, there are lots of things you could do to make that chorus have more impact. Um, so then, later on the chorus, two more guitars come in. These two here. So our intro guitars essentially come in on the last chord. Now notice, I've got these two panned hard right. One is low and one's high. You can hear them both. Now on this side, these guitars are playing a similar part. But their tone is very different. And also, the, the clean is 50 left, as it always has been in the song, where the drive is hard left. Even if I pan them both hard left, the tones are still different. Now, it, doesn't, it does help a lot to uh, to pan it, it helps a whole lot. Um, now I, I do believe it should sound good in mono, but still, um, their tones are, are different enough where, you know. And again, I haven't EQ'd any of these. If I need a little more separation or a little less from any of these parts, I totally can do that with EQ. Um, very broad strokes sort of EQ. Um, so those guitars come in. Now we're back to our intro guitars, our clean and... That's how the song ends. So, some of the things that, uh, you know, I can say about guitar layering and things that I think will help. Again, number one, plan it out. For God's sake, plan it out. I mean, it's not that hard. It takes an extra 10 minutes um, to do. Maybe, okay, maybe a little longer than 10 minutes. Sorry. Uh, maybe an hour of your time to sit there and say, okay, you know, the verse is going to have these two guitars are going to be a little cleaner. Look for ways to add dynamics. Dynamics can be done in so many ways. Width and uh, tone and distortion. When things have more distortion, they sound like they're played harder. Uh, it doesn't even have to be dramatic. You can have sort of a clean-ish guitar and then a drive-ish guitar or a drive guitar and then like a really heavy guitar. Um, but again, be careful of how many notes you're playing with drive. Um, the more notes that you have in your chord, if it's a six-string chord, you're playing, you know, one note on every string, then beware of how much drive you're adding. And you might say, oh, but then it doesn't sound right. Well, then either play a different chord or just wait until it fits in the mix because it, it's, my, it's my belief that distortion is sort of... Um, cumulative. So if you have one guitar with a little bit of distortion and then you add in a second guitar 
it will sound like both of them have more distortion than they really do, and it's because the distortion almost like adds up, and, and, and it like doubles itself, and it sounds like there's more distortion. So be very cautious. Now again, in this song, none of these guitars have tons and tons and tons of distortion. The bass has distortion, but not a lot. The drums even have some distortion. Um, you know, so it really depends on, on how many things in your mix have distortion. The drums, the, the vocals, uh, the, the bass, I mean, it starts to add up and your mix can sound really fizzy. So be very cautious of how much distortion you're adding to guitars. Just remember, the more distortion you add, I mean, the less clear it's getting because there's less dynamic. Because distortion is just clipping. So you're literally clipping off the punch of the guitar. So play in general, even with metal, you know, even with metal guitars, I try to use as little gain as I can get away with. And when you start adding layers of that and you start distorting the bass and you have a screaming vocalist, it sounds heavy. It sounds like metal guitars or, you know, rock guitars. I mean, if you listen to stuff like ACDC or, you know, even tons of classic rock, not a lot of that stuff is really heavy distortion. But it sounds big because it's punchy and it's got attack and it really hits you in the gut. And that's what makes it sound big. The more distortion you add, the more you're taking that out. You're taking out the punch. I mean, uh, listen to the difference here with this guitar. So, a little cleaner, right, in this guitar too. There's lots of attack, but notice this guitar. There's basically no attack, as opposed to a lot cleaner, and it's got more attack. So, you know, that helps in so many ways. So, just be cautious of how much distortion you're adding, okay? Also, think of, you know, density as a way of dynamic. You know, if there's a verse that only has one guitar, that's okay. Like, you don't have to have every guitar playing at the same time. And you shouldn't, probably. You know, if the chorus has three guitars, a left, center, and right, and then the verse has one just in the center, or one fifty left, or one hard left, then it's going to sound bigger and thicker in the chorus. And again, a big part of this is understanding that, generally speaking, the chorus is a huge priority in your song, um, if not one of the biggest priorities in the arrangement, is making the chorus just kill it. Because, I mean, that's... A lot of times the chorus is why we listen to a song. Because the chorus really is catchy, that's where the main sort of line is. Um, a lot of people call it the payoff, you know, Mixer Man is big on calling the chorus the payoff, because that's really kind of... I mean, that's such a good description of it, you know? It really is. That's, I mean, that's the reason a lot of us will listen to a certain song, is the chorus. So you got to find ways to make the chorus pop and make the chorus big. And if once you make the chorus big, you can, you can do it one of two ways. You can make the chorus big and then work your way backwards from there and say, okay, maybe I'll pan these guitars in um, you know, for, for the chorus or for the verse. And then on the chorus, they are you know, hard left and right. Or vice versa, start with the verse and make it sound as minimal as possible, you know, make it sound good with as few parts as possible. And then the chorus is a little more open to add, you know, tons of parts or whatever, um, three guitar parts. And again, also consider that the more parts you're adding, uh, the more you have to be cautious of where each one is playing. If you have two parts that play the same part or similar part, and that's your goal to make it sound like one huge guitar, then do so. If your goal is to make it sound like three distinct parts, let's say, a left guitar, center guitar, and a right guitar, just beware that you might have to change the pickup from neck pickup to bridge pickup. Uh, you might change the guitar completely. You might change the amp. Uh, you might, but uh, probably the most important part is be very cautious of the part that they're playing. Uh, make sure that they're not playing just the same part over and over and over. That, you know, you're actually <laughs> having natural separation of the parts. You know that they're they're sounding different from each other naturally. If you know if you have to EQ to get things to sound separated, then they weren't recorded correctly. Um, that's just my theory. Again, let's talk a little bit about um, how we stand on this song. You know, is it a success? I mean, do we feel like it grows and shrinks? I do, and you know you might not. This might not be your method. Okay, this might not be how you do it, but this is how I will like, you know, I like things to be panned a little more narrow in the verses. 
I like the chorus to explode. I like, you know, things to come in that are supportive. I like things to come in that are decorative. I like things to come in and go away. So they're not always in, like little parts, like the acoustic part that happens once in the song right here. The wah part is, you know, it's signature to that bridge. And the acoustic part is signature to that bridge. I think that's really important, having stuff come in and out. If, if you're, I mean, you can't, I couldn't have that wah guitar playing the whole time. Don't just press record from the beginning of the song and try to make up stuff. Um, it'll be very hard to get it to fit. You really have to plan it out. You know, what's going where? Is there going to, you know, how small is the section? Um, I, I believe on one of the other shows we talked about a number system on a scale of 1 to 10 of the intensity of a section. So base that around things like vocals, bass, drums. That, you know, can really determine how strong that section is supposed to be. Um, so the chorus, generally speaking, is going to be in the upper ranges on a rock song, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10. Sometimes there'll be a low chorus, like a, a quiet chorus. But just be in, be like recognize the fact that if your intro is a 10, you have nowhere to go. You've already ruined your chance of sounding bigger than the intro. So if a lot of times the last chorus or the outro of a song or the, the guitar solo is the biggest part. So start there and say, okay, let's say the guitar solo is the biggest part. So that's a 10. From there you can say, okay, what's the smallest part? Okay, verse 1, that's a 4. Well, then you can really say, okay, let's let's pick apart these sections and say, okay, this is supposed to be a little bit bigger than the verse, but not as big as the chorus, okay, so maybe that's a seven. And then this chorus is supposed to be big, but not as big as the last chorus. So let's say it's an eight and the last chorus is a nine, okay, that can really help. I mean, all it takes is grabbing the lyric sheet and just putting numbers by each section. Um, or Or just write it out, you know, and also you can write out the, the plan of, okay, the guitars are a little more narrow or, you know, they don't ha they're more mid-rangey in the verse. They don't have as much bottom end, not as much top end, you know. And maybe you do that in the, in the mix and not while recording. I generally like to do it while recording. I'll turn the tone knob down or I'll, you know, uh, move the mic a little farther away or use a brighter mic or a darker mic or whatever to get a little bit of a different sound. Um, to make it less full sounding in the verse. Maybe it doesn't have as much low end, but it's still pretty bright. Or maybe it has the opposite. Maybe it's really dark, and then the chorus comes in and it just seems to brighten up and lift. It really depends on the type of song you're doing. Um, obviously, this is a little bit of an obscure song to say is just general rock, because it's kind of a sort of an indie rock genre. Um, I could go through a ton of different songs that I have of all kinds of different genres that have tons of guitar layers. But uh, I just thought this one was nice because it has lots of different examples of everything that I'm talking about with guitar layering. It's got doubling. It's got, you know, the two separate guitar thing when it sounds like two separate guitar players. It's got, got parts coming in and out. It's got filtered parts. It's got, you know, things that move. There's a lot of movement in this song, and that's what's great. So the point of guitar layering is not just to sound fuller. Like if you look at, oh, we need to, we need to add more guitars so it sounds fuller, you're in the wrong headspace. You can have a chorus sound very full with just two well-written guitar parts and well-recorded guitar parts. Sometimes three is needed, but you can have a chorus sound huge with just that. You may be looking at it from the wrong angle. You may be trying to make your verses as big as the chorus, and there are ways to get around that. You can pan it, uh, you can EQ it, you know, there, you can turn it down. There's lots of ways to do that. And again, you can automate this stuff to a ridiculous degree. But just keep in mind that you're mixing a song, okay? You're not just mixing a group of instruments playing together and you have to somehow make them fit. You know, you're mixing a song. Like, the song has to grow. It has to be interesting. It has to change and move. Uh, or people are going to be bored, you know? So there's lots of little things in this song, especially like on the bass, where when the guitars are playing something a little less interesting um, or a little simpler or a little more open, the bass kind of takes over a little bit. Now notice this. Notice this first verse. So this is the first time that this guitar has come into play. Now the second half of the verse sounds very similar. But the bass is now doing something interesting. So your brain's like, well, I've already heard that part. How is that, you know, if the bass was playing the same thing, how is that any different from the first half of the verse? How does that grow and change? How does that keep me interested. Well, in this case, the bass changes from this line 
to this line. So again, you're, you're shifting the interest of the listener. And again, then this clean guitar comes in. The bass changes again. It's the same part, but now it's a little bit different timing from da 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 to da 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 basically the same part, a little bit different rhythm. So, you know, there's lots of little things to keep you interested. Um, and in the chorus, notice that the guitar and the bass are both a little more straight. Why is that? Because the vocal is the most important thing in the chorus. Um, there's lots of backing vocals that are going to come in. There's going to be some synths that we probably add. So it's a plan, right? It's a plan. You have to plan out your arrangements. And whether you do that by recording 10 tracks all the way through and then chopping them up later, or you know, you record two main guitars, you record two cleaner guitars, two heavier guitars, a couple of leads, a couple of like swells and like slide random parts, a couple of little flourishes here and there, and then you just chop them up later, you know, that's your business, what you do with your productions. And that's totally fine. You can plan them out beforehand, which I like to do to save time in the studio, and, and also to essentially give the band a workout. You know, when I'm producing a band, it's not just my job to make a good sounding recording. It's my job to actually help the band understand their music the way I hear it. So they can understand, you know, oh, wow, if we have all that stuff in the verse, the chorus isn't going to sound big at all. And they get that. And that's what I want them to understand. I want them to think that way so that they can write that way. Because you can write that way so much more effectively than you can do it in the computer later. If you consciously know when you're writing, okay, the verse needs to be a 5, but the chorus needs to be an 8. And then the bridge needs to be a 7, but then sweep the bridge up to a 9, and the last chorus is a 10. That's the mentality that you have to have. You have to really think of the song like that, or it's not going to be exciting. It's just going to be one level the entire song. I hope this podcast has been helpful. I hope it's given you some ideas and things to think about. Uh, you can check out that blog post that I had on recordinglounge.blogspot.com. It's called Layering Guitars, I believe. I talk about a couple of little other specifics about the actual guitar components, like the rig that I'm using, the amp or whatever, that you know that perhaps you can change or alter talk a little bit about pedals and stuff like that but um, if you guys have any questions feel free to email me at recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com and uh, of course I do freelance mixing and mastering so you can email me at that same address if you have any questions about that um, thank you guys for the uh, for the emails with questions and comments and uh, also very kind words I really appreciate all the people that have emailed me just to, just to say hey and say you know, keep doing the podcast. We like what you're doing. I really like this show. It helped me on this mix. Have a good day. I mean, that, that's so that's so good for me to hear. It makes me feel good about doing the show. Uh, makes me know that there are people out there listening. So uh, if you want to stop, you know, drop me a line. Go for it. Recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I will talk to you guys very soon. Uh, got some cool shows planned. Got some more drum mixing shows planned. Uh, got a couple of drum tracking shows planned. Got some bass stuff, got some vocal stuff, lots of good stuff. Um, so we'll see what's up next. I'll talk to you guys soon.